Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show with Ray Ferraro. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Plenty to talk about. The trade deadline has come and gone and uh, lots of changes in the league. And looking forward to uh, to talking to Ray about it. I'm Steve Mathis. Uh, get this show wherever you get podcasts from. Stitcher app as well. Uh, iTunes, pulphockey.com, the old-fashioned way. And uh, subscribe and tell a friend and everything else. And really appreciate it. So with me on the line, 18 years in the NHL. Now the lead analyst at TSN. Ray Ferraro, what's up, Ray? How are you? Uh, I'm I'm good. I was uh, just busy, busy couple of weeks here, and certainly a busy week here with um, with the deadline, and then of course, you know, I still got games to do, and um, so I'm in Long Island uh, as we speak today. It's Wednesday, and of course, tomorrow is John Tavares' first game back here, and uh, from most indications, it doesn't appear like it's going to go very smoothly. And that's ridiculous, right? Oh, I look, I, I get they should boo them. They can boo them if they want. But this venom that the people feel, I just I don't quite understand it. Yeah. They, you know, like, there's a certain segment they feel betrayed by Tavares who, I don't know, may, maybe he should have said last year right before the deadline, look, I'm, I don't think I'm going to sign here. May, maybe he should have done that. Mm-hmm. But then what? You got to play the rest of the year when yeah. everybody knows you're not coming back. Now, I don't know what the Islanders have traded them. Maybe um, certainly somebody would have been interested, um, but it went to July first, and you know he becomes an unrestricted free agent. I, I just, I guess in some cases, I, I'm always a little surprised that people take it so personally because you know I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. Mm-hmm. My favorite player right now is Mookie Betts. I think he's amazing. If Mookie Betts left as a free agent and went somewhere else, I would still cheer for the Boston Red Sox. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't seem to be the case here. And I I don't know why I'm surprised. I guess I am. But um, I think it's going to be an absolute madhouse in the Nassau Coliseum tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, look, the guy, he was a class act. He he put up points. He he was a by all accounts, you know, a great teammate and a good guy and he this is his contractual right and I, I get some boos for sure because we've seen it over and over. But yeah, the venom. Yeah, but you can boo yeah. him. You're cheering for your team. Right. By booing him. Right. You're cheering for your team. I get that. And yeah. I think any player understands that. Steve, it's the venom, though. Yes, yes. That, just... Like somebody put out a video about, like these people are just like, <laughs> like super pissed, like personally at him. Right, right. And that I, I just, I, I can't quite get there. I don't, I don't understand that. I'm with you. I'm with you. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, and you're going to be stoked to be there at Nassau again. I am. Former. I have. Um, you know, I mean, this was a 
place, that building across the street, which now looks nothing like the building that we used to play in. It Now it looks like it's covered by a bunch of tinfoil. Um, <laughs> but it's all been renovated, and yep. uh, it's now called Barclays and, you know, not, not Nassau Coliseum, but to me, it's always the Coliseum. I mean, that's where I've, I've had some of my greatest moments as a yeah. pro hockey player. And, um, you know, I'm always welcomed back nicely and uh, remembered, which always is good. You know, you always <laughs> like to be remembered. Yeah, exactly. And um, I'm just, uh, I'm looking forward to getting in there, seeing what it looks like. And um, it's, uh, it was a pretty cool, tiny, little old barn. Um, that was really loud, and I suspect tomorrow it'll be rattling around pretty good. I uh, I don't even obviously I like the Leafs, and, and you know the Islanders don't mean anything to me as far as that goes. But I was in New York City with my wife on vacation. I saw that the Habs were in town uh, playing in Nassau, and we were in Manhattan, and, and it was a snowstorm. And I said we gotta go. Like I knew they were leaving for Barclays Center, and I, and I but I wanted to go see Nassau Coliseum, the great history, the great teams. We took subways there, a snowstorm, all of that to go see this game. My wife was like, "Really? This is what we're really doing?" And, and I just, I loved it. I love being in that. I love the fact that I got to say I went to Nassau. There was a, a bossy banner hanging up still from a fan, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like the jerseys. And I was stoked. The corridors are so small and everything else. But I was like, "This is cool. This is hockey history. I'm glad I got to go here." You know, so. Now, and they're going to finish out the rest of the regular season at home uh, using Barclays as their home. They'll play the first round of the playoffs here. Um, and then if they were to get to the second round, then they've mm-hmm. got to go back to Brooklyn. Um, it's really a messed up deal. And, you know, hopefully there is headway made. I, I quite frankly, Steve, don't know the progress of the new building that's yeah. uh, supposed to be at Belmont Racetrack. And I hope they get it built because they can't go back and forth like this. This is yeah. not going to work. Yeah, it's not good. So. All right, let's get into the trade deadline day. Uh, you were in studio for that. Um, how'd it go? I didn't get a chance to watch it. Uh, NHL Network carried the other guys' trade deadline thing. Uh, how'd it go? Oh, it's long. You know, it's um, <laughs> it's long. It's, yeah, but it's it's fun when when the stuff starts happening. That that's the fun part for me because you have to evaluate on the fly. That's the time that whatever preparation you've put in, you're going to find out whether you prep the right way or the wrong way, because, you know, I mean, you can just spew stats if you want, but like to me, that's the real meat to the coverage. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like best. But, you know, we're on the air at 8 a.m. Eastern time. And you know, nothing's happening in the first couple of hours. Yeah. You know, the only trades that could happen are between Eastern conference teams. Nobody's making a trade at five in the morning back in. Yeah. Vancouver, San Jose. Hell, San Jose made a trade at midnight. Yeah. And um, yeah, midnight Eastern time. And so when I woke up in the morning, I look at my phone and I'm like, whoa, Detroit traded Gustav Nyquist to San Jose. Yep. You know, so like there are odd things that happen, but um, we try to keep it interesting. I, I think we, not I think, I know we do a good job with it. Our our insiders, uh, Bob McKenzie and Pierre LeBrun and Darren Drager, are fantastic, and mm-hmm. they're right on top of stuff. And um, I thought our panel was good, and we have other panels that uh, you know Scotty Upshaw did a uh, and Carlo Coliacovo were on them. I thought they both did a really good job for you know their first time really on TV in that role. And um, it's just long, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then at four o'clock, uh, Gordon Miller and I hopped in the car and drove down to the Scotiabank Arena and did the Leafs game. Uh, so 
what, against Buffalo. So it, it was a long day. Uh, if you can remember, if you can tell us, what was it something that the insiders were tracking that didn't happen? Was there a trade or two that didn't happen that you – I know Connor Brown was apparently asked about or, or maybe – Yeah, more importantly, um, uh, like, you know, I mean, Connor Brown, you're interested in that because you're a Leaf guy. No, I know, but I'm Jones just – just... But um, <laughs> Jason Zucker was um, – it appeared to be close to being dealt a couple of times. Uh-huh. Um, now, they track it and they're chasing it, mm-hmm. but you never really know how close it is. Right. I don't even know where they get their information from. I mean, they don't tell us. And, um, you know, so I would say that would, would have been one of the more high-profile ones that, that didn't happen. Um, you know, there was some thought that Cody Ceci would get traded as, you know, Ottawa had traded just about everybody else by that time. Yep. And, um, you know, that didn't happen. So, I don't know. You, you can start saying, oh, this might have happened or that mm-hmm. might have happened, but you never really get an indication of how close something really was. Right. Um, because there's no way to really quantify yeah, yeah. I, somebody's I, idea of what close is. I'm with you. Like, who are these guys talking to? Right? Like, who's giving them this? In, how are they getting this up-to-minute date of what's going on in these war rooms of the trade? It's fascinating to me, that part of it. As a guy, as a guy in the media on another sport... That part is fascinating. Like, how are they getting this stuff, right? Who's giving them this stuff? They do a great job. Well, they've got, they've got somebody. Yep. And, you know, whether it's somebody with the teams or agents, I would think agents are probably, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because it's kind of an unregulated deal. Yep. Um, I would think the agents probably have a lot to do with it. But they wouldn't know really in a lot of cases until things are just about to happen. Right. Um, Columbus is fascinating now for me. Uh, I absolutely, I uh, cannot wait to see. They are all in. Uh, obviously, they didn't let their, they didn't, their two UFAs, they held on to them and they added and they are going for it. And I love it. I, I don't know how it's going to go, but this is, this is so fascinating to me. Uh, and I'm, I imagine you're with me on this. Well, I, um, I thought they really didn't have much of a choice here, Steve. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, people are, you know, there are, a group of people, lots of people that think they should have traded Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky. The problem with that is there was no trade for Bobrovsky. So that meant you were going to trade only Panarin. Mm-hmm. Like you can say, and fans do all the time, you got to make that deal. But if nobody else wants to make the deal with you, you can't make the trade. And so Bobrovsky was a non-starter because there was nobody going to cop up assets that needed a goaltender at this time. Yeah. That was going to, yeah you know, that was going to carve something out of their team to make that deal worthwhile for a goalie that's an unrestricted free agent. They weren't going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Rarely have name goalies been traded right at the deadline. The last real one I can remember is Ryan Miller when St. Louis acquired him. And it looked like a really good deal because he was playing very well in Buffalo, but it just didn't work. And um, Miller has talked about the, the style change and the, mm-hmm. the way the Blues played, played the, way, the way Buffalo played, different conferences, different players, and yeah, yeah. it just didn't work. So that, that's, prob- that's why Bobrovsky really didn't have a market. Now, Panarin, they were going to get futures because mm-hmm. he's unrestricted as well. So in the decision to keep it, to keep them both, um, it's gutsy for sure. Um, the one thing I will say is, when we say, and I, and I mentioned this on our show, um, when we say 
all in. Um, that kind of paints a picture of um, of a team that's got nowhere else to go. That um, okay, this is it. Yeah, um, we've got we've got you know no other players, and that's just the way it is. And that's not really the case um, with the Blue Jackets. They have got some terrific prospects that none of them. They didn't have to blow out any of these top end prospects, so they kept the first rounder from um, from a year ago. Um, they have two young goalie prospects that are really good. Uh, two European guys, yeah, two European guys, whom um, I've, I've seen play. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them finished kid that played in the uh, World Junior Tournament. Vedi Bevalani is his name. That's going to be a mouthful. <laughs> and uh, the other is a, a Latvian kid who's a little bit older, and I think he's a star. And his name's Elvis Merzlikens. Um, last year at the World Championships, he was like he looked like an NHL goaltender. He's playing in Switzerland, mm-hmm. and uh, they hope to have him here uh, March or April. Like, oh, okay. he can, yep. he, so look, they're going big. They've traded a lot of draft picks. They don't have many draft picks coming up. Nope. So, first of all, they got to get in. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's no guarantee they're going to get in. As as they sit now, they're just outside the playoffs. Um, they've got a game in hand on Pittsburgh. They're one point behind them. Game in hand on Carolina. They're one point behind them. You know, so like they got to get in. Yeah, that's that is actually I, I something. Yeah, that's something that's been I, lost. I think in they this. will. Right. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is something that's been lost in all of this for sure. Is that they they're not exactly humming along, uh, dominating. Right. Like like yeah, they, they could miss. Which is crazy, but but here's the thing, Steve. There's only one team that's humming along and dominating anything, mm-hmm. and True. that's that's Tampa. Yeah. Every everybody else has these stretches of really good play, and you go, wow, you know what? That I think that team can be good, and then they, you know they'll win five or six or seven in a row, or you know the Bruins are even without David Pasternak are putting together a terrific run of points, and then all of a sudden they, you know, they stub their toe. Mm-hmm. Like the Bruins are eight zero and two. Yeah in their last 10 games. They don't have Pasternak. He's one of the best players in the league. I'm aware. Yet, yes. I don't know. Somehow they're doing it. <laughs> yeah. And so I think if you take, if you scrape Tampa out of the league, you got a whole bunch of teams that are really a lot the same. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what's going to make, for me, a really super interesting playoff. Did you like what Columbus did, though, with the moves? Did you like yeah. all that? Yep. Yeah, you're on board. Because I, I don't think they had a choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you can, you know, people can live in this fantasy world of, you know, I wouldn't have done this or I wouldn't have done that. So the, really there were two choices for Yarmo Kekalainen and John Davidson and the, uh, and the Columbus front office. And that's we stay with what we got and don't add anything. Well, that's a bad idea because we're just kind of middling along. Mm-hmm. We trade Panarin. And we go backwards, and maybe we squeak in, or maybe we don't. But you know, we've had yeah. no playoff wins in our franchise history. Mm-hmm. Or we kick a few free agent picks out, or a few draft picks out the door, and see if we can get better now. Now, the key to this, of course, the Zingle has to play, Duchesne has to play. Mm-hmm. Like they've got to be good for them. Yep. And and if they're not, then it's going to turn out to be a bad bet. But. 
you know, I guess I look at it like if you're sitting in that big chair, Steve, you don't get to sit there very long. Mm-hmm. If you're going out, go out swinging. So uh, Vegas acquires Mark Stone from the Senators uh, for Eric Brandstrom, Oscar Lindbergh, um, and a draft pick. Now I'm interested in this because, and obviously, you know, I don't, this is just speculation, but so he's he's a rental, except they agree to terms. Uh, contract will be announced soon. Uh, eight year deal, nine point five AAV, I believe. Yeah. Is that something that, like the two GMs, that they're like, hey, here's the price form as strictly as a rental. We're going to give you a half an hour or an hour. I don't know, right? We're going to give you an allotted amount of time to hash out a contract with Mark Stone. And if you do, we are now going to throw in Branstrom or whatever the deal changes. Like, how does the dynamics yeah. of that go, do you think? Just like that. Just like that. Um, okay. <laughs> there, there, is a, there is a deal in place if – if you agree to an extension, then the price goes up. Same thing happened with, um, I'm sorry, with Nick Jensen and the Washington Capitals. Mm-hmm. Remember, Jensen went to Detroit, from Detroit to Washington, for a second-round pick and Madison Bowie, who was a first-round pick a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, Detroit gave it okay to the agent to talk to the team, and I don't think they've got very much time. Yeah. Um, and they bang out the deal because the parameters are probably pretty set. And um, once the deal's made, then the draft pick changes probably from a third round to a second round, mm-hmm. or the prospect got better. So for, for, um, from what I understand, Ottawa's main focus in the stone trade was to get the very best prospect they could. That was where they were going to drive the bus to. Yep. And Vegas offered up Eric Branstrom. Um, I think Branstrom's a terrific young player, a really good young prospect. I like the deal from Vegas's point of view because of Branstrom. They've got enough draft picks, Steve. In the next three years, in the first three rounds of the draft, Ottawa has as many as 17 draft picks. Yeah, I saw this. They've got they've got six now, second rounders so, or something. It's insane. Yeah, but so now what they can do, if their owner gives them the go-ahead to do it, which of course is the wild card here, but is you can call a team that's got a veteran on a contract that they hate yep. and say, we will take that player – that you guys don't want because mm-hmm. we've got to get to the floor. But we'll also take this grade a prospect out of your system and we'll give you a third round pick. Mm-hmm. They have so many picks. They start using them as collateral. The other thing that I don't think fans quite realize this is great. You got 17 picks in the first three rounds of the next three years. You can't sign them all <laughs> because you only get 50 contracts. Yeah. Yeah, And so some of those picks are going to have to go back out the door, but what they are is all assets. So for Vegas, of course, there's you know um, a real comfortability between Kelly McCrimmon, assistant general manager, mm-hmm. and Mark Stone. Kelly owned the Brandon, owns the Brandon Wheat Kings. Um, he was the coach and the manager. Mark Stone played there. Mm-hmm. Um, they know each other very well. And if you saw that goofy welcoming <laughs> parade when 
Stone got into Vegas. That was Kelly McCrimmon waiting at the end of the line to give him a hug. That's the uh, it's the same spot I walk out every week. By the way, I know that yeah, terminal. And there's well. nobody playing band, uh, band no. or anything. <laughs> I, no, nobody seems to care that I arrived. But uh, I, you know, from Vegas' standpoint, is a real good one because I I think the world of Mark Stone is a player. I love how he plays with such desire and focus. Um, his skills are very obvious, but he's He's a good player. He's a good kid. Um, uh, for uh, Ottawa, they had to get a prospect and a is, good one, is, and they did in Branstrom. Yeah, it's Branstrom. So I've read Branstrom. He's a top four guy. He's a top two guy. I mean, obviously, you know, this will play out, and we don't know. But is he is he elite to be a top two defenseman? He's a top four guy for sure. Yep. And so the way I look at when I pick my top four – the offensive guy of each pair, that's number one, number three, and number five. So I don't think Bradstrom's a number one. Okay. I think he's a number three. Yep. So if you look at Ottawa, look at them going forward. Now, you've got Thomas Shabbat, who's in the top five in points in the league for defensemen as a rookie, and Eric Bradstrom. And in two years, you can see, hey, guess what? They've got half of their top four built. Mm-hmm. And they're young. In two uh, years, Thomas Shabbat's going to be 23. I'm just... So, I like this. I, yeah. I like it for them. Hell, they got a mess on their hands in Ottawa. I did the game last night in Washington. Yeah, how was that? How was it? And, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was just how you thought it would be. You know, the, the Capitals came out. They were dead asleep. Ottawa got two goals quick, bang, bang. Yeah. Um, two of their trades, uh, acquisition scored. Uh, Oscar Lindbergh scored. And then Anthony Duclair scored. And then Washington got seven straight goals. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, and 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 like you said though too, they got and they got to they got to meet the floor. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how they do. But but um, well, that's for the summer. I mean, it, right now they've got yeah. enough, but yeah, you know they're going to have to. I'm just probably park a couple of expensive contracts. What they'd love to find, uh, and Arizona's done it really well, is you find a player with a high. Uh, Average annual value, or AAV, yep. but you owe him less money. Yeah. So what you look for is a player that's in the last year of his contract who's just had a big bonus paid out, and so his AAV might be $7 million, but you have to pay him $1.5 in yeah. real cash. Yeah. That's what they'll be looking Roberto for. Roberto Luongo, step right up if, if the Panthers do want Yeah, well, I mean, it could know. be a player like Louis Erickson. Yep. Yep. Right? Like, that's a, that's a guy that, that comes to mind. Um you know, the, um, a, a contract like, for example, a player like Johnny Boychuk, he's got three years left at $6 million per. So that doesn't really help what Ottawa would want to do because you still have to pay the real yeah, cash out. Yeah, right. So um, uh, complicated cap guy stuff yeah. for the summer, but right now Ottawa's got a, a team that is um, do, pieced together and held together with duct tape. I'm going to have to... Obviously, I go to the a lot of Knights games, so I'm interested to watch Stone. 9.5 AAV. He's having a career year, and he's a great player. Ray, you've always been a fan of Mark Stone. Uh, 9. There's, 5... nothing, okay. there's nothing you won't like about Mark Stone. 9.5 AAV. Wow. But, okay. You're, you're, you're good with that. You're fine with that. Yeah. Okay, yep. <laughs> better player than Pacioretty. Uh Yes, so you know, and Pacioretty's got a what? He's at he's, what did he sign for? Seven? 
Yeah, I think he's four at seven, four years, seven. And I and I and the only reason I picked Pacioretty out of the mix is because he's the newest uh, yeah. addition there. Right. Um, um, he's a terrific player, and guess what? If you wanted to sign him, you were gonna, you know, he was. You were also bidding against July first. If Mark Stone would have gotten to July first, he would have had a list of teams knocking on his door as long as his arm. Uh. Okay, Central Division, uh, Nashville and adds uh, Wayne Simmons, Michael Granlund. Jets add Kevin Hayes, second-line center, much like their Stastny pickup last year. What do you make of that, those moves? Well, um, I don't think it changes the balance of power, but it changes the look of both of the teams. Um, you know, for, for Nashville, they traded a young player in Kevin Fiala, um, a skilled player who unfortunately broke his leg a couple of years ago seems to just be getting back mm-hmm. uh, for Michael Granlund. Granlund's not had a great year in Minnesota, but he should have, which is unbelievably the worst power play in the NHL, in Nashville. I, yeah. I don't know what their players, how they can be 31st, but anyway, they are. Um, I like Kevin Hayes for Winnipeg. Now, Winnipeg's going to have to limp through the next four or five weeks here without one of their top two defensemen, Josh mm-hmm. Morrissey, hurt a shoulder. Um, and so if you notice, right at the deadline, all of a sudden, the general manager, Kevin Dayoff was adding spare parts from all over the place. Yeah, And they're, they're trying to, I don't know, wallpaper over the losses of Morrissey, Dustin Bufflin, and Joe Morrill right now, who would be three of their top six defensemen. Um, so they added Nathan Beaulieu, most notably from Buffalo, and uh, he played last night in the Jets' loss. But um, the team that somehow, out of nowhere, you got to kind of pay attention to is St. Louis. And, um, you know, the Blues 8-1-1 in their last 10. Jordan yep. Bennington has been on fire since being recalled from the minors. And um, the Blues and Winnipeg have three games in hand on Nashville. And so by the time those games in hand are – played out, it's quite possible Nashville will be second, maybe even third in that division. Yeah, which is crazy to think of that. It is crazy. I just checked the, the, the divisions right now as you said that, and yeah, I know St. Louis has been on a roll, but they seem so far back. So, and, and, well, they were. They yeah, were in last place yeah. on January 1st. Yeah, insane, man. Um, Wayne Simmons, how much has he got left, you think? Greedy you know, guy. Now, yes. Um, in a couple of years, I'm not so sure. I, right. I think the real question for Simmons will be, or for the team that's going to sign him, is when they get to July 1st, how much road do you think a physical forward has left? Yep. And that, that's going to have to be the, the determining factor for the teams that, that look at signing Wayne Simmons. You know, it's not now. I mean, look, he's going to give you fight. Mm-hmm. He's going to give you battle. I, I know he's still got that in him. He'll probably help the power play as well because in Philadelphia for the last couple of years, he's been as good a net front guy as anybody. This year with the acquisition of James Van Riemsdyk, his net front time went way down. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you're not out there, it's pretty difficult to score. Right. Um, you know, I, I like it. Um, I like Nashville's team. I'm, I'm at a loss sometimes why they, you know, why they go up and down so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, because to me they should be a better team. Maybe you know what, Steve? Maybe just the season's so bloody long that it's inevitable teams are going to fall into a ditch. Now, Tampa hasn't. No, yeah, but other Tampa, than that, Tampa's, right. yes. Tampa's been so good for so long 
they went, I think it was the month of November, they didn't have a regulation law. I, I just, and yeah, it's, it's, they've got one more game this month, and they'll do it again. No regulation losses uh, if they win their next game at the New York Rangers. Well, I saw the stat the other day. Now it's, it's skewed because of, sh- uh, you know, shootout losses. Third fastest team to 100 points in NHL history. And again, yeah. again, it's skewed, but I don't care. That's still pretty damn impressive. And, and, and Yeah, see, I, yeah. I think those stats all need to be, um, you know, pre and post overtime. Yep, yep. Um, you know, it's just like an all-time goalie win stats. Right. You know, the goalies in the – right up until the 80s, there were ties. Yep. So if a guy had 75 ties – Let's assume that he would have won 35 of those, mm-hmm. 40 of them, or, right, halfway. Or even, you know, they used to play 75 games. They used to play 40 games, right, whatever. Yeah, right. the, the amount of games played. Were so, I'm, I'm with you. It's a bit of a fake stat, right, but, but still. But, it's, uh, yeah, but yeah. okay, so I look at the rest of the teams, and I'm just looking now, and to my knowledge, the best goal differential is 47 in the league. That's Calgary. That's second to Tampa's. 82. <laughs> Almost double. Like, it's not even right, close. Right. Yeah. Tampa's lost five games at home and six on the road. Yeah. Um, so, Paul Stastny dropped in last year to the Jets. Kevin Hayes this year. He's going to – I mean, w- w- compare those two guys and the impact they had. Stastny certainly did a good job for the Jets as they got to the uh, conference finals. Hayes is a different type of guy. He's bigger than I thought when I was looking at him. I was, oh, he's huge. Yeah, he's a huge guy. I didn't really notice that before. But uh, what do you see for him and, 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 and sort of the impact he'll have compared to Stastny? Should Jets fans be? Well, I, I would say Stastny was more or is more of a creative passer, mm-hmm. um, more of a power play guy. Hayes would be someone you can match up more so, uh, much better defensive player, much bigger. Um, I think he fits into what Winnipeg's got. So if you look at – Winnipeg's top two centers. Now, if you put um, Hayes in the two hole, you got Mark Shifley and Hayes. Those are two really big guys. Adam Lowry is huge, and then you've got this utility knife of of Brian Little, who yep. can play in the middle. He can play on the wing. Plays on the second power play. He kills penalties. Like their depth up the middle in a series is going to be um, a real a real advantage for them in most cases. Uh, Dallas, got a feel for Dallas Stars. They get uh, Zuccarello from the Rangers, and he breaks his arm in his first game. Um, you know, Dallas last year stood pat at the deadline and dropped out of playoff uh, contention. They had a terrible last month of the year. This was sort of a, an addition and something to get everybody excited about because I believe some of the guys were grumbling about that. And they uh, they get Zuccarello, and ah, oh, sucks. And now he'll be out for, you know, until the playoffs at least. Well, yeah, he's gonna. He broke his arm, blocked the shot. Yep. He scored in his first game, yep. and then broke his arm. And um, I thought Zuccarello would be a really nice fit there. Mm-hmm. In particular, give him the option of splitting up Radulov, Ben, and Sagan on a more consistent basis. Get a little more depth of scoring because mm-hmm. they they just don't. I mean, they don't score any goals, like none. <laughs> it's it's really yeah. crazy. Anaheim and Los Angeles in the Western Conference, have less goals than Dallas. That's it. Yep. And those teams never score, actually, in the league. So Dallas is third from the bottom in offense. And so that's, of course, what Zuccarello was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's just a real bad break for them. And, um, you know, you get to this point now, so they had some time to add another forward, and I thought they might. But you got to be careful if you're blowing out all your draft picks on rental players. Yeah. You know, you, you just can't do it. So I, I don't know how Dallas is going to make it. Um, it. You know, Colorado has started to get themselves back on the beam a little bit. Um, Arizona, don't sleep on them somehow. Rick Tockett has done a, an amazing job. And, uh, you know, the, those two teams are just a couple of points behind Dallas and Minnesota. Um, so I guess out of those four, Minnesota, Dallas, Colorado, and Arizona, um, one of those, two of those are going to make it. Yep. Two are going to miss. Yep. And uh, I don't know, I, you know, I, Dallas doesn't give up a lot of goals. They just don't score. Yeah. Yeah. Bishop's been really good. Um, and I like Zuccarello. Last night, what did they get outshot? Twenty-one oh, to one in yeah. the third. Oh, it was was that the final thing? I remember it was eighteen to eighteen to two. I think at one point, um, uh, it was yeah, it was ridiculous. And Bishop was they had a two man advantage for almost a full two minutes, just firing pucks at him. The Knights were. Um, so it sounds like, it sounds like you like what Ottawa did. Like if there's a winner for you, you like what Ottawa did. Uh, I wouldn't call them a winner. Okay, well, I mean, um, they they did a you know they had a shitty hand that they got dealt, and they tried to salvage it. They did a good job of salvaging. Yeah, I mean, Let's if you that use that reference, um, <laughs> okay, it's like there's a pile of dog shit, and yeah. they didn't get both feet in it. Okay, <laughs> all right, right, like right. they're they're so far away, Steve, from being a a really competitive team, and unfortunately for them. There's so much noise around the ownership. Until that ownership is cleaned up, solidified, I don't know how anything else Mm -hmm. from there can flow smoothly. Like, look, you live in Vegas, and Bill Foley came in there with, you know, buckets of money, but everything was done with, there was a a real solid feel behind all of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And that allowed them to build the new practice rink and travel a certain way and to build out their scouting staff so they have lots of scouts and have a robust front office. Mm -hmm. You know, like, sign the contracts that they've signed. Ottawa hasn't been able to do any of that. And and that's a real challenge for them. Um, But when when I go through and I, you know, like, Who's a winner? Who's a yeah. who's a loser? Everybody wants to, you know. I think you have to. You have to. I guess we're judging it by today. Like who's the winner today? Right. 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 So I would say Columbus because they definitely got better. Now is it going to work? Who the hell knows? Mm-hmm. Right. Like yeah. who knows? Yeah. I thought yep. Winnipeg did well. I thought Nashville did well. Um, I thought Calgary did well by not doing anything. Um, but I'm still a little leery about their goaltending. Although Mike Smith um, has really been terrific his last six starts. He's five wins and one overtime loss. But you know who I thought did really well was Minnesota. Oh, yeah? Okay. They've been, yep. they've been trying uh, since Paul Fenton took over. The, the Wild have just they've had to get younger, right? They've yep. had to change their team. Yep. And while they signed Eric Stahl to a two-year deal, I thought a pretty manageable number. Yep. Um, Three-five? an unmistakable... Right? Yeah. Sorry? A 3-5, I think it was? 3-5? Yeah, 3-2-5. Yeah. 6.5 yep. million total. Right. There's a unmistakable youth movement going on in Minnesota. 
and they wanted to get way younger and way faster. And so you look at the players that Fenton has brought in. Now, doesn't mean they're all going to work, mm-hmm. but you got Kevin Fiala. He's 22. You got Victor Rask. I'm not so sure about that. Um, you know, he <laughs> traded uh, Nino Niederreiter for him. Yep. But anyway, he brought Rask in. He's bought Pontus Aberg in. Uh, Ryan Donato came in. Yep. You know, these are young guys, and they hope there's a future to them. They've got the leading goal scorer in the KHL, uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Yep. He's about. He's not next year, but the year after. And, I mean, he's a – man, that guy's money. Is he, he coming score. over, though, for sure, do you think? We got, yeah, I've read. in a year and a half. Okay. All right. In a year and a half. Yep. Um, he's got to finish this year, finish next year, and then he'll be over. Um, that seems almost certain. Uh, Jordan Greenway, uh, Joel Erickson Eck, they've finally taken the shackles off that kid and let him play. Yep. And they're finding out they've got a good player. And then Luke Cunning as well. They've got, they've got a lot of young players. And I thought Minnesota did well. Um, to get Fiala for Grandland. They got younger, mm-hmm. they got cheaper, and that gives them some cap flexibility as well. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard that. Um, as a player, and you've been through a lot of trade deadlines, uh, anxiety is probably going on in the room a little bit with a lot of these teams, and, and maybe it's affecting them on the on the rink. Um, are you, a sense of relief, I guess, right, for everybody, even even the guys that you know know that they're not going anywhere. It's just It just smooths out the dressing room. Have you seen that in your time? Uh, yeah, league. sure, but but also, Steve, some guys want to be traded. Some guys are hoping they get <laughs> yeah, traded, right? And right. they don't. And then it's like, um, you know, there was one year in LA. I was really hoping at the deadline. We knew um, almost certainly that either Kevin Stevens, Eddie Olchek, or myself, one of us was going to get moved. Uh-huh. At least one of us. It turned out it was Eddie O. He went to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. but. You know, I wanted a chance to play on a better team. Right. You know, I was getting older. We were all getting older, and it was like, man, I'd like to play on a, you know, on a, on a better team, and it just it just didn't happen. And so um, there was disappointment for sure because you got to finish the year out. You got you know, this is your team still. Right. And so there are some guys that yeah. are disappointed like that. Uh, there are some guys that have been nervous wrecks for two weeks or three weeks mm-hmm. because. Every rumor they read, their names kind of around the outside of it. And then, of course, we all build our own stories in our head. <laughs> and, you know, and yeah. so you start start screwing yourself into the ground. And then the deadline goes, and this is what you got. And it is a good day. Yeah. When the deadline's over, at, you know, at 3 well, I'll say 3.30 yep. on uh, trade deadline day, um, the league's a better place. Right, right. Um, this is maybe a, maybe this is a dumb question, and so please tell me if it is because I know you will. But new guy comes to the team, right? Uh, walks in the dressing room. What happens? Just shake everybody's hand, or business, hey, what's up? And business as usual. Um, hey, let's go out for drinks tonight, and we'll tell you about the team and bag on the general manager too. I mean, what happens to a new guy in a room? Oh, comes in. Probably knows a couple of guys, but mostly doesn't know everybody. Uh-huh. Um, trying to learn the equipment guy's name because he's bringing your equipment over to your new stall. Um, you uh, say hi to guys that, you know, it's not like a receiving line. Some guy, everybody's <laughs> okay, coming right, in at a different right. time. Yep, yep. And they walk over, hey, how you doing, Joe Smith? And you're like, hey, Joe, I'm whatever. Okay. And you just say hi. And then, um, you know, you're. Does you they, go change and get into your hockey underwear and yeah. 
get dressed and go for practice. And in the meantime, the coach is calling you in. You need to learn about the meet or the systems. And then somebody goes, "Hey, power play meeting over here." And you're like, "Where do I go?" You don't know where your sticks are. <laughs> it like it's a shit show, really. Right, right. For the first couple of days, yeah. you're just on pure adrenaline, uh-huh. and then you crash. Right, right. But uh- um, you know. If you're a single guy and you're living in a hotel, and most guys end up going, at least initially, even if they're married, they, they go by themselves. Uh, somebody will say, hey, you want to go for dinner tomorrow night? Or, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, at least I would hope most guys <laughs> do that so you don't leave the guy sitting there eating room <laughs> right, service by right, himself. Right. You know, you don't know anybody. You're just sitting yeah. in a new city. I'm sure if they traded for some guy that nobody likes or whatever, they're like, oh, God, this guy. But but generally speaking, uh, yeah, people try. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, somebody you don't like would only be probably because of the way he plays mm-hmm. or the way he's played against you. Mm-hmm. And chances are you're going to like that guy on your team. You just thought he was an ass to yep. play against. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and I guess the player uh, gets – even if they're a veteran, rookie, whatever, hey, you're going to be in a hotel where your wife and kids are coming. Uh, we got to get them here. We got to find a house, right? All of that, man. It's crazy. Well, all, of, yeah. all of that stuff gets handled in the coming days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some guys, like, for example, when I got traded from New York to Los Angeles, I lived in, like, a corporate apartment. Yep. I stayed there for the rest of the year. It was about seven weeks. Okay. And um, because there was no time to go, you know, how am I going to get a seven-week rental? Yeah, yeah, house? yeah, yeah. You know, and my kids were in school, or at least the oldest one was in school. And um, so we weren't going to take them out of school. And so they came out and visited in a couple of weeks. Or, you know, everything everything you know, everything that's normal gets dealt upside down. Yeah. Uh, does the team pay for that, or do you pay for that? Pay for what? The The apartment, the corporate apartment. Do you pay for that? No, they pay for it. The team pays for it. Okay, yeah. Team's like, hey, here you go. They don't say, hey, you need, in four weeks, you need to figure this out. They just say, we'll pay for it. Well, no, see, there's a time frame that teams will say, like at the start of the year, um, okay, you got 30 days to get an apartment. Okay. And that's a good day for you because then you can get out of the hotel and, you know, get into some more permanent living space. Yeah. But they don't do it from the trade deadline on deadline on that's in the collective bargaining agreement because it's impossible to find a rental for a month right oh so oh, so it's collectively bargained it's in there the team has to supply lodging for they have to they have to supply housing at the deadline on oh, i did not know that interesting okay yeah i mean like t- jordan binnington for example right. he's living in a hotel in st louis mhm and he'll be there the rest of the year like you got to you have to pay rent somewhere. Yep. So I'm assuming Bennington's paying it in the American League, whatever it is. Wherever he was, right? Yep. Um, That's where he would be paying. I think they're in San Antonio. And uh, so he would be paying for that apartment. Hmm. And the team would be looking after him in St. Louis. Which makes sense because, yeah, a kid like that, I mean, now you want him to pay twice, right? Like he's, yeah, it it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, you can't do that. I didn't realize it was in the the CBA. Interesting. Um, All right. Um... Let me ask a Leaf question because I'm concerned about my team right now. Uh, they seem to only want to play for half of the game lately uh, or a period or two. It's a good half, though. <laughs> yes, it is. It's working out for the most part. But, uh, yeah, they need to – it's been it's been up and down. So, Well, I mean, you know, their last two games they, they took the first period off. And yep. 
Um, you know, they came storming back against Montreal, down 3 nothing to win 6-3. And then same thing against Buffalo. You know, they kind of slumbered around in the first period. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they get four goals in eight minutes and, that thing was over. Well, well Buffalo good. Buffalo got within They're one, good. and I'm like, oh boy, you know. So what's that? Buffalo got within one, and I was like, oh boy, here we go. So um, they yeah, kind of locked it down. They're just a, they're a better team, and yep. for the most part, they they win a lot of games because of it. Now, look, they got 19 wins on the road, 19 wins at home. Like they're good. Mm-hmm. Yep. How good are they? At? I, I don't know. Like, are they going to beat Boston? Because it's now, I don't, you know, starting yeah. to look like again, like that's the series, right? Yeah, no, it will be. And Boston's probably going to have home ice, and we're going to go down this road again. Yeah, but you know, like, what will it mean this year? Like, there's a little more experience. The last time they played, they didn't have Tavares. Does that make the difference? Hell, they're paying them eleven million bucks. They're going to hope so. Yep, yep, I agree. Right, like all those things. You know, the experience, Tavares. Um, it's Barry Kapanen, who wasn't a factor. Andreas Janssen, who was a much smaller factor. Can they, can they get you one more goal? Don't forget it was game seven. And that's what they have to be hoping for, that you know, each year there's a little bit of progression. And you know, so they're, the, you know, the half game stuff, you know, that's not going to get it done. Mm-hmm. And I would suspect some of that is that um, you know, this is, February is a dreary month in the NHL. It really, it's the one month that feels like it never ends. The crazy part, of course, because it's the shortest month. Yeah. yeah. It feels like it's never going to end. And um, once you get to March, everybody locks in, right? It gets going. You don't need your heavy winter coat anymore. You can, you know, there's only like 15 or 18 games left. It's really easy to to be super pumped for those games. All right. Well said. Let's go to uh, the game of the day. Right for our game of the day, February twenty seventh, nineteen ninety four. You are with the New York Islanders. Uh, it, by the way, it was tough to get a, a game for this date, but but I found one. Uh, you scored five two win for the Islanders. You scored your thirteenth of the year. Uh, I'll get you, two guesses on who got the assist, the two assists. I'm sure you'll get it right away. Islanders. Well, who are we playing? Playing Quebec, ninety four. And I was with the Islanders. Yep. Um, probably Hoagie and Flatland. There we go. Boom. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, it's funny. I, I think I played my thousandth game on February 28th. Oh, yeah? Okay. Um, that was in Dallas, but um, when you said the 27th, I, was like, I thought for a second maybe that was the day, but nope. Right. Uh, Hexy got the win, and uh, you were plus one, one goal. Three shots on net, so good night for you. Like a like a, a typical night, right? Well, as I'm as we are learning here, when you've got 18 years of games, you can find a good one, hopefully. Yeah, somewhere. I, it doesn't need to be 10 of them. It's just got to be one. <laughs> I almost pulled up the one where you were minus three uh, with the Kings against somebody. I was like, ah, let's go. With yeah, this one. sure. Well, that happens, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. over the course of time, it's gonna no. it's gonna come back and bark at you. No, absolutely. Uh, all right, some questions for people at Paul Pocky as always for questions for um, for Ray Ferraro. He'll uh, he'll answer them, and, and uh, let's get to some. Uh... Oh boy, have you seen the meme of O Dog with his mouth open? <laughs> people got a few people. Yes, wanted, I did. Uh, I I somebody texted that to me. Uh huh. And um, I, I sent a note back because I, certainly I didn't see it during the game. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> like, this happened on the air. Like, I don't know how it happened. Right? Like, I don't. 
I don't exactly know right. how the techno like how that all worked, but it's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Chad at Angry Beef says, "What is wrong with full time four on four scoring? Isn't the problem? It's the flow. Full time four on four. That would be a drastic change. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to happen. I mean, you- I mean, I don't know like what's wrong with it." Nothing, but no. that's not the way the game is. Yep. Why don't they take one outfielder out of baseball? But having said that, you, you've been in favor of making the nets bigger. That's not as drastic, but that would be a huge change to the, you know. Except goals are up this year. They locked down the goaltending equipment. They've, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you get more flashing and, you know, hooking penalties than ever before. So I think guys do less. There's more skill than ever. Um, the game's trended into a direction that I'm, I'm happier with. Right. Now, I wish there was some more animosity, but I think the, the length of the season just takes that away. Guys are just like, they keep running into that guy. I'm exhausted. <laughs> right, right. You're like, it's easier to just get through this, both move along and get through this game. Yeah, but I don't, I don't see that ever happening. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be pretty radical, but, man, is it fun to watch. Uh, Mike Johnson says, would you include uh, Bennington in Vesna or Rookie of the Year talks? Uh, what do you think? He's got 20 games played. Probably not, in my opinion, but what do you think? No, not enough. No, no. You know, uh, um, just just not enough. Yep. Um, you know, like, he, he's had an amazing run, but um, it, it, it the award can't be for for just an amazing run, mm-hmm. you know, it, like there's, there's gotta be, there's gotta be more than that. I mean, if you're, if you're also looking though, and um, you know, like the, there are goalies that have done this and are having amazing years, much longer than Jordan Bennington. Right. Like, how are you going to vote against Andre Vasilevsky? Yeah. He's leading I, the league yeah. in save percentage. Yeah. Uh, he'll may Bennington may end up with 32 games played, right? He's at 20 now and 32, 35 games played. So that'll be his total on yeah, the year. I, I just, I don't think it's, right. I'm looking at the league leaders and, you know, like, uh, Mark Andre Fleury's got 30 wins. Mm-hmm. He plays all the time. Um, Vasilevsky's got, uh, 226 goals against average, a 930 save percentage. Robin Leonard's at 210. Goals against average, a nine thirty save percentage. Right. Like, look, I, I not even for a minute would I um, discredit what uh, Jordan Bennington has done. Mm-hmm. But he's way down the list because of the number of games, excuse me, that he's played. That you, you know, to even get him into that mix. I mean, it's it's been a remarkable story. It it really has. Uh, Hunter's Helmet says, uh, hey, uh, in today's NHL, when a player is traded, do they get to take any of their gear with them? When Ray played, was it different? Starting a new job is tough enough. Breaking in new gear would add to the suck. Yeah, like, what do you grab? What do you take? You take all of it. There's not, you leave behind your socks and the jersey and the helmet. Oh, really? Yeah. Take, you, just, you take they, the white helmet, oh, yeah. but not, you know, because you need to be the right color. Right. Um, um, okay. Yeah, you take... You take your gloves, and a lot of cases they just spray paint them the, the color of the new gloves. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I played, the gloves were harder to break in. Um, you know, now the gloves you can take them out of a box, and 
you know, use them probably in a, in a day or two. But, um, yeah, you take everything. Absolutely. Uh, Mike underscore Greeley says, will the league step in and do anything about Ottawa and Melnick? Is there any, any point where, where Gary Bettman would, and the league would? You, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, do what? Tell them you're doing a bad job running the team? or I, I don't know. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know how that works, really. You know, like, I, I, don't, he, I don't think so. Yeah. He had said he turned down uh, $500 million? Offer or something? I don't know what it was. He said you never really know, but Melnick had said he turned down five hundred million dollars for the team, or, or five fifty or something. I read, but who knows? Yeah, I you know I don't know. I I mean, who 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 really knows? I I do know this that you know there there are financial strains strains on the Ottawa team. Mm-hmm. You can just see it by the way some of the things are. Uh, today they they had a setback in. Um, this gigantic real estate and new arena project, which is right near downtown Ottawa, which would yeah. be, you know, w- which is really the future yep. of that team. But it got set back. Um, the partners can't agree on things. Eugene Melnick is, is one of those partners. And, um, you know, how yep. far it's set I mean, back, I, the NBA, I don't know. But. The NBA couldn't do anything about Donald Sterling for 20 years until he did it to himself. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just not, you know, it's just not right. that easy. Uh, Shane said, love the podcast. I love hearing Ray's takes on anything. What's the most high-pressure situation he was ever in the NHL? Game seven overtime? <laughs> yeah, I would say so, for yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, that would be team-wise, I think, you, you know, you spread the pressure out, you feel it, but um, I would say individually would have been at the world championships. Uh, we were in the semifinal and uh, to go to the gold medal game, we had to beat Russia in a shootout and um, Russia scored their first shooter. And then Curtis Joseph stopped the next four. Our first four guys missed and I had to score. We were out. Yeah. I, I would say that's probably as nervous as I can could ever remember. Kyle Shank says uh, he's going through some old hockey cards the other day. And what was it like for Ray when he first came into the league to have his first hockey card? Do you remember that? Your first one? Oh, yeah, for sure. We were because they weren't as prevalent as right. they are now or certainly got to be at one point. Um, but we were somebody would show you. And I remember asking and guys would ask the collector guy who was getting your autograph. Hey, do you have another one of these cards? Because <laughs> it was your first one. Right. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, Fantastic. And, and uh, also, Kyle says, uh, also, we know he doesn't have any of his stuff, but did he collect anything from other players, sticks or anything? Do you have anything from other players? Uh, I got a stick from Mario Lemieux. When did you get that? How did you get that? After the game? You just, like, at some random Yeah, point? I asked him one time. What's uh, I, st- I, I was going to do it for a bunch of guys, and then – you know, I had like certain guys that I really wanted, uh-huh. and then no, I just didn't do it. Ninety <laughs> nine? No, nothing. Uh, I have a Gretzky stick. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, so we're getting deeper here. What, what, but but they're they're not displayed. Red Titan. No, his was a silver one of the silver. Oh, the, the the aluminum ones. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. But they're not displayed. They're not up in my house. 
Oh, you know, like why not? They're just why. So after, how does that work? After the game, you go to the dressing room and you ask the trainer to ask Mario. No, I ask their trainer. Yep. Or our trainer asks their trainer. Hey, you know. Okay. Ask Mario. Ray would like one of his six. Is it, does it say to Ray? Why? Yeah. Okay. To Ray, love love that you're yapping at me, Mario, or stop yapping at me. No, Mario. I think he just says to Ray, all the best, something like that. I. Huh. I, I don't know, like. You're playing this. You're downplaying this, by the way. I never was a collector. I never, I just, you know, I never was, I never was that. You're downplaying this. What else? Okay. What else do you have? Anything else? No. Okay. I have nothing. Gretzky. I I don't. Gretzky and I don't collect. I don't don't have anything. (laughs) Well, no, you do. You have sticks from two of the greatest players that ever play the game. Sure. (laughs) But they're in my. But they're in my storage room. Please tell me Landon didn't use it and, and just hammer in street hockey. No, they didn't kid. use that. Okay. Yeah, right. If I would have collected anything else, I'm sure they would have. Uh, Darby said, uh, he's asked this before, but Travis Green has said Al Arbor was an influence on his coaching style. Seeing as Ray has played with Green and with Al as coach, does he see similarities? Uh, did, and, and did you see Green becoming a coach in the playing days? I think we've covered that one. But do you see similarities um, with Al and Travis Green? Um, I, maybe the only thing I could think of was, uh, you know, Al had a real directness to him and, uh, Travis is much the same way. Uh, the players don't often wonder what Travis is thinking because he's told them mm-hmm. or he's, you know, gotten his message through to him, but I don't think, um, it's really hard. I mean, Al coached, you know, Al retired from coaching, you know, in the early nineties or mid nineties. And, you know, things have changed quite a bit. But if you talk to Travis, he'll tell you he learned from Al. He learned from Pat Quinn. Mm -hmm. uh, He learned from Mike Johnson, who was the head coach in Portland. He used to coach Pittsburgh and was a longtime assistant in Vancouver. Learned a lot from him. So I think a coach probably steals a little bit from everybody. Mm -hmm. And then that all mixed in with your personality becomes your style. Uh, Dennis wants to know, if, uh, what's the best number for a skater and the worst number for a skater? What, what numbers look cool? I, I always thought number seven looked cool. Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, uh, seven and nine were the cool numbers. Yep. Um, I always liked having uh double numbers. Oh, um, 11, 32. So yeah. Yeah. Three, three, 12. Right. No, no. Oh, like 12, like a two numbers together. Oh. And then when I, when I got to 19 and 20 and 21, 26 for most of my career, mm-hmm. um, I always hated three. I just thought it was kind of a, yeah. Two looks kind of cool. Right. Three looks like it's not finished. I don't like threes and eights. This is me. Yeah. But see, three is a half and eight. Right. Yeah, I don't like either one of them. So it's not finished. Right. Eight looks okay, but three, nah. Uh, Tyrell Getz says, if you and Gord Miller has to switch roles for a game, how would that go? I think it would go fine. <laughs> really? Uh, okay. I think, yeah. I, think um, um, I think Gord would probably have an easier time doing what I'm doing because mm-hmm. you talk less. And where I would find the challenge, I think, is to have enough variety to words that you don't say the whole time, you know, here comes St. Louis out of their zone. It's, uh, you know, 
whatever it's Petrangelo slides it over to Gunnarsson, he gets the red line, shoots it in. Well, then the next time you got to come up with a different way to say that. Right, right, right. And so I think that would be uh, a bit of a challenge. All right, Brian says, uh, "What do you think about leaving Willie Melander at center ice?" I like Melander at center. I think it's a long-term option for them, but not. It's not going to happen this year. I mean, not Nazem Kadri. Hopefully for him is going to be back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's out with a concussion, and that means your top three centers are are pretty locked in. And it's not, you know, it's not going to be Nylander. They're not, you know, there's nowhere for Kadri to go that he's going to. You know, he's not going to be the fourth center. Mm-hmm. Nylander's not going to be the fourth center. Right. Those guys are going to be on the ice. So maybe, maybe in the future, maybe next year. Yep. Um, they're going to have to maneuver some pieces around cap wise. Um, but I, I kind of like Nylander. I like watching him. Play in the middle. I think he, you know, I think he likes the freedom of of skating there, but right. um, it's not for now. Uh, Nick wants to know how come Cam Plant didn't make it in the show. Uh, I didn't know anything about Cam Plant, but uh, played with you in Brandon. It looks like uh, drafted in the seventh round by the Leafs. Played two games with them. What can you know about Cam? Can you see how many assists he had? Yes, one hundred and eighteen. <laughs> I'm assuming that was yeah. a lot on you. <laughs> yes. Um, I would say foot speed more than anything else yep. would have been the um, <clears throat> excuse me the 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 knock on Cam man he could pass the puck and you know I scored you know as as you know just you know yeah. <laughs> a, a bucket load of goals in that year and a lot of it had to do with getting the puck from Cam like it, like yep. not some of it. Right. A lot of it if, had to do with that. If you were Cam Plant and you had two games with the Leafs, do you sit back now as an older guy and go, I got two games in the show, or do you be super bitter that you only got two games in the show? I could see both ways, right? Like, yeah, it's it's interesting to sit back and go, I played well, two games in the Leafs. You know what, Steve? I, I think it would depend on the guy. Right. I think it would depend on – what he felt his opportunity was, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe he played those two games and went, uh, you know what? Yeah. Nah. Right. But I, I would think he would probably say, man, I would have liked more of a chance. Yeah. Um, all you right. Know, that, that's what, that's yep. what I think anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, I think at the end of the day to sit back and be like, Hey, I played two games in national hockey. Like it's pretty cool. Right, like just for any uh, how many players, right? Have ever, how many people ever, yeah, ever say that? Yeah, if you if you thought there yeah. should be more, right? If you got 118 assists in junior, um, right? Yes, it's not like you had 12 assists. <laughs> right, right. 140 points, 22 goals, 118. Uh, all right, last one. Matt says, "What were Ray's favorite goalie mask designs growing up as a kid, uh, or as a player, or as an analyst?" Um, which goalie mask? Well, growing stand up, out? that's easy. Growing up's easy. That's uh, Jerry Cheevers. The stitches. The stitches. Um, a guy by the name of Gilles Graton. Yeah. Had this fierce. <laughs> I don't know what it was like a tiger. It was a tiger. Was it like a lion yeah. or no, a tiger? No, it was a tiger. Yeah. And that was apparently to ward off evil spirits. <laughs> which I thought was really cool. <laughs> yes. Because you're like, hey, yeah. I don't know why. Why would you? I would you need? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yes. um, those were those were two of my uh, mm-hmm. um, my favorites when I when I was a kid. Like I just, you know, I was not um, um, 
uh, what was I going to say? I, I was not a, you know, like like the goal is you could probably ask um, uh, goaltenders and they could give you mask after mask yeah. after mask. And they'll say, oh, I love this one and I like this one and I like the detail, you know, on that one. Right. Um, there was one, uh, Gary Bromley. His nickname was Bones. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a, a mask that was kind of like a skeleton. Yeah, and I always thought that was pretty yeah, cool. Was I liked neat. Ken Dryden's mask back in the day. I'm not sure what it was. The first one, Target, the Target. <laughs> well, I don't know what it was, yeah. but it was. Yeah. I just kind of liked it because it was, it was so, so different. But I, I would say probably the most famous mask outside of the very first one worn by Jacques Plant uh, would have been Jerry Cheever's Stitches yeah. mask. Uh, Brian Hayward's Shark one was great. Fantastic. Yes, that was very good. That, that was very good. Wow. Uh, was it Markstrom or Nielsen who had the ears and the old mask painted on? Markstrom. Markstrom has it. it. Oh, you did? Really? Okay. I thought that was creepy, man. <laughs> I thought it was cool. I thought like, it was neat. Um, Grant Fear always had a, had a good one, too. Grant looked really good all the time. So, um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. When I see, when I see these... You know, the old footage of the guys in there with no masks. I, I just, I know the guys didn't shoot the same, but at some point you had to be down on the ice scrambling around for the puck. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, that just, that freaks me out. I'm like, how, I guess, yeah, because nobody had ever imagined the mask, mm-hmm. but how could nobody have ever thought, you know what, <laughs> I should probably put something over my face. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah, great, great, great question. Don't know. Um, and Gump went for a long time with no mask. Masks were worn by everybody, and but not the Gumper. Still not. Yeah, I think he was the last, wasn't he? Or was I, it, it might have been Al Smith. Yeah, not sure. But Gumper refused to put it on. It's crazy. Yeah. No, thank you. No, uh, thank you. Well, good stuff. Hey, can you can you tweet out a picture of Mario and Wayne Stick for us? Can we see these? Yeah, if I can find it. <laughs> Okay, great, fantastic. Um, I will. Uh, I'll get on that. All right, sounds sounds good. If you ever get off the road, can you get on that, please? Yes, if I can ever get out of a hotel, that will be my, the first thing I'll be thinking of. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Well, thanks, Ray. Thanks for educating us on the game of hockey uh, and uh, Islanders leaves for you this week, and uh, looking forward to that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. PaulPockey.com, at PaulPockey on Twitter. And uh, please uh, tell a friend, subscribe, everything else. And as usual, right, thanks you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. And thanks, everybody, for checking it out. And uh, hope you like it. Let us know what you don't like, what you do like. And uh, tell your friends, and we'll get back at it next week.